0: Welcome to the Shambhala Sunday Gatherings podcast. Each week we invite a guest presenter from the Shambhala community to talk about what is meaningful to them, or to share a brief Dharma talk. These explorations range from the reality of impermanence, death, and the unknown, to how we express and work with joy, contentment, and fearlessness in our daily lives. Presenters offer a guided meditation or contemplation practice and invite reflections, comments, and questions from participants about the poignancy and complexity of our shared journey on planet Earth. Thank you for joining us for this week's Shambhala Sunday Gathering podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's Shambhala Sunday Gathering. My name is Faraday Rudy, and I'm really happy to be your host for this week's gathering. I'd like to introduce our presenter today, Tom Berthoff, who is going to be speaking with us today about appreciation and precious human birth. Tom Berthoff has been practicing meditation since 1982, when he, first did, his, when he did his first Shambhala training level in Aspen, Colorado. After moving to Boulder, Colorado in 1984, to be part of the Shambhala Buddhist community, he started formal study with Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche and Sakyam Nipam Rinpoche at the 1985 Vajradatu Seminary. He graduated from Naropa University in 1987 with a master's degree in contemplative psychotherapy, which led him to a 25 year career in information technology specializing in relational databases. He has been a meditation instructor and teacher since 1987, both in the U.S. and Europe. He's been married to Lisa Krauss since 1990. With Lisa, he founded the Arnhem Shambhala Center in the Netherlands, where they lived from 1991 to 2000. They have two adult children, Taya and Ryan. Tom has been living and working in Philadelphia since 2000. He retired in January 2021, congratulations, and has finally gotten the time to concentrate on what's important. Thank you so much for being here today, Tom, for leading us in practice and for sharing your wisdom with us.
2: <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Just about the wisdom. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm actually uh, at Karma Chilling right now. Um, and uh i'm in the teacher's suite in, in the second floor of the main building um with uh, uh where I'm a shrine behind me so uh, i feel particularly uh particularly uh privileged to be in this space where uh and so many other great teachers um spent time uh where the first meditation instruction interviews were, were conducted and um so much history has happened so uh, yeah, um, maybe we could just take a take a minute and um, do a little bit of sitting meditation, just to kind of orient ourselves back into <sighs> somewhat
3: away from the the digital realm. So.
2: So the first thing to do is is just to relate to your body. So that means probably you're sitting in a seat. So you want to feel centered, grounded,
3: connected to the earth. Feet flat on the floor. Back upright. Good head and shoulders, as the Vidyadara said. Arms relaxed, hands on the thighs just relaxed, neck relaxed. And just feel where you are. Feel what it's like to be yourself just as you are where you are. What's the light like? What's the temperature? How does it feel to be in the room? What sounds can you hear?
2: and then how do you feel just internally what's your what does your body feel like how do you feel emotionally
3: what does your mind feel like
2: I think this is really important, that it's just being here, wherever you are, just as you are, without trying to change anything particularly.
3: Not trying to achieve anything other than just being yourself. And
2: if you want to, you can shift your attention a little bit just to the feeling of breathing, just the breath as it is, not any kind of uh, technique or any attempt to change anything, but just noticing that you're
3: breathing. Okay, so let's, uh, as we do in Shambhala, begin with bow.
2: Acknowledging each other's basic goodness and uh, Buddha nature, Vajra nature. So um, what I want to talk about today is uh, one of the four thoughts that bring the mind to the Dharma. Um, which is a very traditional uh, Buddhist practice. The, um, so the four reminders are a very traditional way of thinking of a set of contemplations that are all related to each other. Um, there are a lot of versions of the four reminders. A lot of different teachers have written versions of the four reminders. This is a, a version that was written in 1974 by Trigyam Trungpa Rinpoche and I like it because it's very concise so the four reminders are uh, precious human birth joyful to have such a human birth difficult to find free and well favored Uh, the reality of death of impermanence death is real comes without warning this body will be a corpse the uh, contemplation of karma cause and effect Unalterable are the laws of karma. Cause and effect cannot be escaped. And then the last one is the defects of samsara, the the, uh, vicious nature of samsara. Samsara is an ocean of suffering, unendurable, unbearably intense. So these things, these four thoughts, the four reminders are connected to each other. And in some ways, it's very difficult to talk about one without talking about all of them um, this particular set uh, this uh, translation or this this text that Trumper wrote is uh, on the um, Nalanda translation website you can go to their um, offerings page and they have this one and um, Another another translation that I think comes from control uh, Kongchul, uh, the great. But the four reminders are part of, for instance, Lojong teachings. That's the first slogan. First train in the preliminaries. Um, they're part of uh, the traditional preliminary practices, the Nendro practices that are done by every single uh, Vajrayana Buddhist tradition.
3: Um, so they're very common and, um, let's see.
2: So one of the reasons that I wanted to focus on this one, precious human birth is because I don't know. It's, I don't know if people agree, but It's been my experience that a lot of people come to to uh, meditation practice, not only at Shambhala centers, but but in general, people come to meditation practice because there's something wrong. There's there's somebody's life has fallen apart, they're feeling unsure, they're feeling challenged by their existence. There's maybe sickness or there's a divorce, there's things are, are difficult. And uh, I was thinking about this the other day, one of the one of the things about the Sh- um, Shambhala teachings and, and the way we present things is one of the first thing I mean, one of the first things that I heard in, in 1982, at level one was that I was basically good. And that was completely different <laughs> from what I'd heard about from pretty much any any, not only religion, but like education and uh, culture, there seemed to be this uh, emphasis on on that human beings were basically um, messed up, confused. uh, In some, you know, at least, I think there's a more and more of a trend in, in social in media, movies, TV, to present human beings as being basically depraved in various ways. And um, so the message of basic goodness is actually pretty uh, earth-shaking on some level. At the same time, um, so a lot of us, I was inspired to practice because not only was there this teaching of basic goodness uh, and in the Buddhist context, teaching of buddha nature that that fundamentally we're already enlightened our nature is enlightened Um, but there was also a technique there was actually a way of realizing that there was a way of actualizing that which is meditation practice Uh, so for me that was very quite revolutionary at the same time the the reference point is often negativity there's something bad I feel bad I feel better when I practice I feel better when I hear the Dharma and therefore I'm going to con- the negativity is like the driving force and that's that's true the uh, the thing that I've seen and experienced is that there's a there's an issue with that because if the Negativity diminishes if you start feeling better, you start feeling more confident, you start sitting up straighter and wearing nicer clothes and interacting with people in a more self-confident way, then you don't feel so bad anymore. And for some people, that means they stop practicing because the motivation is gone. The, 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 The driving force is no longer there. I feel better. Oh, it must have worked i'm i'm good I, I actually had a meditation student uh say that to me that they were like oh okay so meditation practice is you're just supposed to bring your mind back and pay attention and i'm basically good and i said yeah and he said well good i can do that that's great i'm done see you later that <laughs> <I> was what <laughs> oh okay i guess we're
3: done so precious human birth
2: is actually starting in a, a, the opposite way. We're, we're looking at, it, at human existence from a positive point of view and as, as a, an opportunity that um, we can take advantage of because it's actually quite a powerful and uh, fortunate thing just to be
3: a human being.
2: And so if you look at it, it goes back to this teaching, the the teaching on basic goodness and on Buddha nature, that fundamentally our nature, who we are um, at the core, is already awake,
3: already enlightened, already um,
2: unobscured. And that the perspective, the Buddhist perspective, especially Mahayana Buddhist perspective, is that suffering is simply a kind of overlay on top of that. It comes from confusion. We get confused about things. We especially get confused about um, permanence and uh, what's real and not real, what's important and what's not important. And that's so the suffering is actually not our fundamental nature. We are not fundamentally bad, we are not fundamentally
3: um, sinful. And
2: I mean, (laughs) <laughs> I feel like yeah, I'm in a, in a great example of this. What I'm about to say is that, and I think looking, look. the great thing about Zoom is I can actually kind of see where you are a little bit. But looking at the people that I can see, we're all in a position where we can actually, we have the circumstances where we can actually practice. We're actually, and not only do we have the circumstances where it's possible, but there's actual interest there. You're, you're actually motivated enough to show up on a Sunday afternoon and listen to some guy talk about the Buddhist teachings, and very probably probably you're motivated to do meditation practice. And one of the things that's um, I was trying to figure out how to, how to talk about this but the other thing is that we're we're um, at some level we have confidence in the teachings of the Buddha and we have confidence that basic goodness um, enlightenment is a real thing that it's not just another theory that there's some kind of confidence in the teachings of the Buddha and some kind of confidence in the path of meditation and the path of um, uncovering that
3: Buddha nature
2: So this is actually kind of important because um, the, the the four reminders are definitely a Buddhist teaching and it, meaning a Buddhist teaching meaning that they they come from already from the viewpoint that the buddha taught which is that there is karma that there are multiple lifetimes and that this human birth is another one of many
3: many many possibilities so the
2: um, precious human birth has two aspects One is free and the other one is well-favored. And this is, uh, I'm I'm basing this on, if you haven't read this great book, read Jewel Ornament of Liberation, new translation, not Herbert Gunther. But this is like uh, Gampopa uh, lays it all out. So I'm not gonna say anything that you're not gonna find in a lot of different places. But, um, so the fundamental teaching on free is we are free because we are free from negative states negative states of being and in the in the buddhist traditional buddhist and what the buddha taught is that there are these different realms that that we uh, can move through as we go from lifetime to lifetime uh, the human realm is only one of those there's the god realm the jealous god realm the hungry ghost realm animal realm, and the hell realm.
3: Every other one of these realms
2: has the quality that it's actually difficult to attain enlightenment because of the nature of the realm. In the, in the, the god realm, the gods are um, non-substantial. They don't really have physical bodies. And they have, they exist in a state of bliss all the time. So they're so happy and they're so blissful that it that never occurs to them to examine what their, what their mind is, what is mind. There's no dissatisfaction. So there's no impetus to practicing the Dharma. In the hell realm, it's the opposite. The beings are, uh, are so consumed by aggression and anger that there's no gap. In the hungry ghost realm, beings are so de- feel so deprived so um, so hungry and so thirsty that there's no gap um, with the jealous gods they are constantly trying uh, trying to um, better the gods, so they're completely consumed with ambition and warring with animals um. Oftentimes, animals don't have uh, the intellectual capacity to really do any kind of self-examination, and they don't. uh, Oftentimes, their uh, lives are very short, and/or that they live in fear of uh, being chased and eaten, or they're always chasing and eating other other animals. In all those realms beings continue to accumulate negativity so that they're basically creating the situation of not um, finding themselves in a in a place where they could
3: um, accumulate good karma
2: the human realm is really interesting and it's said that it's uh the only realm in which you can attain enlightenment because
3: nothing is perfect here
2: because and this kind of goes back to the the original thing of why do people come and meditate oftentimes people come and meditate because things are not completely pleasant things are not working out there's some kind of doubt that you find yourself in a situation where you you go oh wait a second all the things that people have been telling me About how life should be, are not really true, or things just have not worked out, or oh my God, I was talking to a friend the other day, who had the realization that the um, when they started meeting other people, they realized that they actually came from a pretty horrible place, with a lot of violence and a lot of abuse, and they it was normal to them, and they didn't actually realize that until they met people who were whose existences were not like that so the human realm is by the very fact that we sometimes we're happy and sometimes we're sad sometimes things are going well and some things sometimes things are going badly it has the tendency to push us to question things to to start waking up on our own and is a driving force to
3: find answers. So it's a
2: driving force in seeking out the Dharma. Seeking out somebody, some teacher, some teaching that actually works,
3: that actually offers a refuge.
2: So free from in the point of view of free and well favored. Free is, first of all, we're free from the lower realms. We're, we're born as a human. We are free from wrong views. And wrong views means that we're, we're not living in a place where um, people are adamantly against Dharma. We're not living in a place where people are actively trying to pr- uh, promote either um, eternalism or nihilism. We're, we're in a place to put it positively where society is open
3: and that we're allowed to explore. Another thing about being free is
2: that, that we're um we're born in a time where there there has been a Buddha. A Buddha has arisen and has taught. And the last one is we're free in that we are don't have physical and mental deficiencies that prevent us from studying and practicing. So if you total all those up, those are eight aspects of um, definitions of free. The other part of it is well-favored. And well-favored is instead of being born in one of the lower realms, we are a human being. And we're born in a central place, which means we're born in a society into a circumstance where it's possible to have food, safety, shelter, education uh, and support,
3: adequate resources, and there's
2: access to the Buddhist teachings. And I think in in that way, this is something I've been tending to say, a lot. We live in an extremely fortunate time. Because right now, if you go online and you look up Buddhist sutras, you can find pretty much all of the Buddhist sutras and many of the tantras on websites that are publicly available. And oftentimes you can find multiple translations of them. So right now, as we are 2022, there is has never been this kind of access to the root core Buddhist teachings in the history of the world. It's actually possible to find the actual root texts, sutras that the, and tantras that the Buddha uh, spoke, and then lots and lots of commentaries on them. In, in the past, people had to travel thousands of, of miles. You know, there are lineage teachers like Marpa. That's all he did is he traveled between India and Tibet and gathering gathering texts and translate it, translating them. It took a tremendous amount of effort. And now it's just literally, you go on Google and you type in a, the name of a sutra and you'll get three different translations of it. So
3: we have unprecedented access to the Buddhist teachings.
2: Well-favored also means that we're healthy and we have the ability to study and practice. Well-favored also means that we're fundamentally decent people and that we're not involved in uh, criminal activities and our, our our livelihood is not... Um,
3: Involved in negative activities.
2: The last piece is that we're actually inspired. That we hear the Dharma, hear somebody teaching the Dharma, hear read a book, and we feel inspired to actually try to do that.
3: How however much we can.
2: So I'm going to go back to the, this idea of realms because it's it's both something that I think people um, a lot of people have uh, difficulty with with because it doesn't fit in the Western materialist uh, scientific uh, if you can't measure it it, it does not exist
3: uh, viewpoint but the book. The Buddha taught many
2: times about different realms and different parts of his life, different sutras uh, were spoken to different kinds of beings, some of whom were not visible to his other disciples. Uh, The great stupa of Dharmakaya is is an example of this because it's actually, it's one of the, the design of the stupa is one of the eight types. And if you look at the front of the stupa, it actually has a stairway coming down from. There's a Buddha up in the top, in the front, and then there's a kind of stairway coming down from that. That represents when the Buddha went to visit his mother. His mother actually died three days after the Buddha's birth and was reincarnated as as a god in a. um, I can't remember which heaven, Uh, and he went up to visit her for three weeks. He disappeared from this this earth and. Appeared up there, and when he was coming back, the gods manifested a stairway. So this the stupa of Dharmakaya, the form is actually um, relating to this fundamental idea of different
3: realms. The
2: key thing about this in terms of the precious human birth is that if if we even leave out all these other realms that that we can't perceive. We leave out the Hell Realms and the the Hungry Ghost and the the two different uh, God Realms. And we just limit ourselves to animals. We just say, okay, we're just talking about this Earth. We're just talking about planet Earth. And we're just talking about humans and animals. There are so many animals on the planet just ants alone there are billions upon billions upon billions probably trillions and trillions of ants there are billions and billions and billions of fishes and frogs and uh, rodents and all kinds of uh, little animals out there if you're only talking about humans It's the same thing. There are, uh, what, seven billion people on the earth? And out of those people, there are actually very few who have access to the um, circumstances, the leisure, and access to the Buddhist teachings. The the circumstances and leisure to uh, find the Buddhist teachings and to actually study and practice them, and then access to them so that they can do that so even if reincarnation was just limited to our earth it's much 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 more likely to be uh, reincarnated as an ant than it is to be a human being and the the traditional analogy of this is that um being incarnated as a human being taking taking birth as a human being is like uh the probability of that is like if you had a turtle swimming in the ocean that only came up to the surface once every 100 years and there was a golden ring that was about the size of a, a life preserver on the surf floating on the surface of the ocean there was just one it was the, the likelihood of being uh, taking birth as a human is about the likelihood that the turtle is going to come up once every 100 years and stick its head through the golden ring So it's extremely unlikely. So this means that just the fact that we're born as human beings, that we're here, is incredibly rare, incredibly fortuitous, and based on an incredible amount of good fortune and good karma in the past. The other part of it being precious is related to the the first or second reminder about impermanence. We're not sure when our lives are going to end. We're not sure how long we're going to exist. The only thing that we can be sure of is that the time that we're going to be alive is getting shorter by the second. And that's always true. That's been true from the time that we were born and even before in the womb. So we have this window of opportunity where we have, we're born as a human being, we have all these resources, we have access to the teachings, we're motivated to study the teachings, we're healthy enough to do it, we're motivated to actually seek them out, and this is it. <laughs> you, you have to take advantage of this. It's It's not... It's not a circumstance um, that's going to necessarily come around again. Um, This is kind of what I talked about when I I gave a talk on uh, the first, or on impermanence back in the fall. One of the things that's happened for me, I mean, I'm, I'm now 60. I started practicing when I was 21. And when I started practicing, I had this idea and especially moving to Boulder in the 80s with uh, uh, Trump around and, and things kind of flourishing that Shambhala as I knew it was always going to be around
3: that I was going to be able to do another doctor
2: that I was going to be able to go to Warriors Assembly that I was going to be able to do whatever and um that it would be easy, it would be literally like just signing up for a program, paying the money, showing up, getting the teachings, going back home, doing the stuff, and suddenly, three years ago, four years ago, uh what, oh,
3: wait, no uh uh, uh, oh, uh,
2: and it suddenly made it very, very clear to me that I personally had been uh, misleading myself.
3: That I had missed a lot of opportunities.
2: That I had made decisions that said, I'll get to that next year or 10 years down the road uh, when I have more time. And then you find
3: out, nope, I might have the time
2: I might have the resources, but the actual teachings, the actual program, it's not there anymore. The circumstances to, to
3: do things are not there anymore. So I think
2: I, I didn't, the, the teaching on precious human birth was something I really didn't get <laughs> until about four years ago. I thought, oh yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, precious human birth, I'm a human being. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta, gotta go to work. <laughs> and, um, but that's actually what, what the precious, note, preciousness of it is that it's extremely fortunate to be in the circumstances that we're in. And it's extremely fortunate to have come in contact with teachings, whether Shambhala or Zen or whatever other Buddhist tradition, genuine Buddhist traditions out there that actually lead to liberation. And, And not in a way that that's just like theoretical, but you can actually meet people who you go, oh, wow, that person's complete, very different from other people. There's there's a real feeling of liberation uh, and
3: also realizing that it's impermanent. There's no
2: guarantee that we're going to live very long or that if we live a long time, that we're going to have the capacity uh, to practice in the way that's that we want to. I mean I'm I'm oh I'm 61. <laughs> uh so my knees I, I just did two week tunes for the first time in uh 30 years uh with Dan Hesse here. And my knees don't like it. <laughs> my lower back does not like it. It is not the same thing as doing a doctor when I was 23. <laughs> so um so that's really the, um, the, the result of contemplating precious human birth is it's, it's supposed to kind of light a fire under you. It's, it's supposed to take um, instead of coming at practice from the point of view of I, something's wrong and I'm trying to fix it. It's coming from the point of view of this is something is really, really right. Something is really, really worthwhile. This is an opportunity, once in a lifetime, act now, um, that you really have to jump on it. And come from a, and regard uh, the circumstances that you're in as with appreciation, that you actually have the ability to do it. And in some ways it's also about not, um, I, I realized that I, I did this a lot, in the in the past of criticizing myself, or looking at the situation that I was in and and finding all the faults with it. You know, the food isn't good enough, uh, the person who's next to me, uh, twitches too much. uh, I don't have enough time, the the first, you know, whatever it is that the criticism that I could bring to uh, practice and study situations. um, It kind of gets rid of that or or If you you just realize that it's it's really something to be practicing at all to
3: be hearing the dharma at all and if you're in a situation
2: where you can actually take advantage of it that it's very very rare and very very precious, precious in the sense of something. It's like um, finding finding a jewel, or finding gold, something that you, you, you just would not expect to find. And so when you find it, you want to take care of it, and you want to protect it, you want to put it somewhere safe. And um, especially you want to know where where to find it, so that you can use it on a rainy day. So, I don't know. I, I feel like um, it's. We, partic- in particular, in the Shambhala community, are extremely fortunate in that we have. Um, we are the beneficiaries of teachers who have, um, like uh, Trumpa Rinpoche and like the Sakyong who are highly trained and have transmitted teachings like lojong teachings like the shambhala teachings teachings like sitting meditation uh, Tonglin practice that are
3: uh, clear uh, the instructions are available and it's actually possible to do them it's not um,
2: it's not impossible. It doesn't require learning Tibetan or Sanskrit or Chinese. Uh, you don't have to go halfway around the world. We can do them here. And there are still a lot of places like karma Chilling where Practice and study is happening daily.
3: And um, it's a great thing. So that's
2: uh, precious human birth. Maybe I'll say just uh, uh, take a a minute. The way you would do this. So this is a contemplation practice. And it's not restricted you don't have to have uh reading transmissions or anything for, for to do it like i said you can find this online and you can find other very vari- variations of it uh online this, this is not this is just from purimpoche's one and the way you would practice this is um you would reserve you would maybe do some sitting calming the mind and you would uh recite One of the stanzas, joyful to have such a human birth, difficult to find, free and well-favored. And then you just sit there and think about it, (laughs) contemplate it. And maybe that means you go, oh, I forgot what free means and what well-favored means. And then it's an impetus to go and study. Maybe you go and find the Jewel Ornament of Liberation or Words of My Perfect Teacher by uh, Patrol Rinpoche or lots of other texts out there and you remind yourself what that is. And then
3: you actually let the thought penetrate you that that the first word joyful, what, why is it joyful? Do I feel joyful about this?
2: So contemplating, letting it sink in, and then maybe going to the next one, death, impermanence, death is real, and so forth um sometimes you can do it all four in a row uh you can do one at a time oftentimes i'll i've been doing a uh contemplating the four reminders and i'll do a one a week and just kind of focus on precious human birth for a week and then switch to impermanence for a week but it's completely up to you there's no wrong way to do it and it's uh it's uh the intention is that it's a motivator, that it, it reminds you why you're practicing and it gives you motivation to continue. So that's that's everything I have to say.
1: Thank you so much, Tom. Such a wonderful talk and uh, reminder. <laughs> And uh, we just have a, a couple minutes of, of time left here together. But so, yes, if you have questions or even just um, insights or comments. But Bob, why don't you go ahead? I see your
4: hand up. Tom, thank you so much for this talk. When I first um, received the notice of the topic for today,
3: I just appreciated the topic even before the talk, so much to be,
4: to feel the preciousness of my own existence, starting with my birth. And it just feels so fundamental. And I feel as though the the topic itself just ignited that feeling. And I feel like during your talk, I was just bathing in the feeling of that appreciation. So I'm just very, very grateful. But one of the, maybe the main takeaway in addition to connecting with that level of just being was that I wouldn't be expressing this if it wasn't for the teachings. And that's precious itself. And that's what I'm hearing very much in, in what you just shared
2: with us. Can, can, what, do you, what do you mean you wouldn't be expressing it if it weren't for the teachings? Well,
4: if it wasn't for the teachings, I wouldn't be so clear for myself about how precious my own existence is. I would be mired in all the challenges and difficulties throughout the entire time of my life. It would be like there's a clarity now that it wouldn't be there. It would be lost in confusion sometimes feeling good and a lot of times not feeling so good so to appreciate what the teacher teachings have offered me and and the contemplations and the practice and that's what I'm taking from uh, the talk and and just the nature of the topic and I'm expressing my gratitude for it
1: thank you so much Bob um, I, I think we might have time for maybe one more. Com- Karen, do you
5: want to go ahead? As a someone who grew up Catholic, I have a lot of resistance and uh, suspicion around dogma. And I experience the... Um, the notion of reincarnation and the notion of the six realms as a kind of dogma because it's not something that i can experience directly it's something that i need to take or for me to go very far with the logic of this i would need to have faith some sort of faith that these things are true so I the contemplation that you were suggesting, Tom, um, joyful to have such a human life. Well, you know, if I'm depressed, I may not be joyful about anything. And if I don't buy into what I'm referring to as dogma, it just the rest of it may not be workable for me. And I'm not saying that I never have the experience of joy or appreciating the Dharma but I often find this haunts me. What I just described is it's, it's in the atmosphere, it's there. Well, how do you know, and is this really true? And the Buddha also said, don't take my word for it. Do your own investigation and exploration. So I'm just wondering what, what you might.
2: Wonder. Yeah, I, I think that's actually, it's, it's, uh, it's actually really important um, and, and what you said a minute ago is, is actually something that I think is is a hundred percent true. If a, a lot of the the teachings and a lot of the practices that that um, we do not only in Shambhala but in in Buddhist Buddhist practice in general, um, you know, from the point of view of, of meditation practice um, or Tonglen or uh, people who practice, uh, you know, pure land versions of of Buddhism, where they recite the names of Amitabha over and over again so that they can have a better rebirth. If there's no um, if there's no faith in that, and, and I, I agree with you, it's like uh, it's, it's actually said that, that um, it's very difficult to get to the point, at, point where you start to uh, have the ability to perceive previous lives, and that that was actually one of the, the main things that uh, happened on the, the, the night that the Buddha attained enlightenment, is he got to a point where his, he had a clear experience of all his previous lives. And that that led to the um, under his understanding of karma, because he could go, Oh, I was like, I was born like this. And then this happened. And that led to this result. And that led to that result and that so forth. And that that that's actually uh, the, the Jataka tales, which we regard as children's stories. But they're actually stories of the Buddha's previous lives.
3: Um.
2: So it's definitely one of these things where for for me, I kind of have to accept it on faith um, that there are these different levels of of reality that are coexistent with what I think of as reality that are completely different, that that operate on a different level. So that's an element of the Buddha's teachings, which definitely requires an element of faith and an examination and, and partially it's okay. For me, for me it was like I I trusted Trump Rinpoche because I received sitting meditation instruction from him or from his students, and it really worked. And then I received the Lojang teachings and I went, Oh, these really work. I like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Now he's telling me this other thing, and I go, well, he was right about the other two, so I'm gonna go along with this one. Um so it's it's actually uh I think one of the things that I that I feel very strongly about personally, um, because over the years I, I've gotten, you know, people ask me what what they should what what do I think they should do. And it's become very clear that unless there's some kind of faith and acceptance of of karma, and of um, cycles of incarnation, unless there's some kind of faith in that you can't really be a Buddhist, you can't really say you're a practitioner of Buddha Dharma, because it's so central to the Buddhist teachings. And it's so central to a lot of the practice practices that we do. Uh, everything from, um, you know, the, like nundra is the whole idea of, of, uh, of gathering merit and um, creating the situations so that, that in the future, you're able to uh, receive the Dharma through prostrating and met, uh, mandala practice, things like that. Why do we make offerings to a shrine? What, what are we doing? Why, how do we understand uh even the idea of shambhala as a pure realm uh why do we do a sukhavati ceremony if 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 you if you, if you there's no real um, acceptance of of the other possible reality that that of a a place a pure land where it's really possible to have a very pleasant life have no obstacles to practice and where it's very easy to attain enlightenment. It's tough, because then you find your I, I think you find yourself saying things that you don't actually believe. And, and it creates more and more of a kind of disconnected. I'm saying these things I am saying I believe in them, but I actually don't believe in them. I don't actually think I'm doing things. Um, I don't actually believe that merit produces a, a, a fortunate rebirth, because I don't believe, I think, this is it. Um, one of the things that the Sakyong said, I think, in um, turning the mind into an ally is that it also, it's, it's actually kind of important in terms of our attitude towards ourselves and our, um, because if, if we only believe that this life is it, This is it this is all we have it means for most of us even if i started meditating at 21 a quarter of my life is gone before i met the dharma and as we grow older and older we have less and less time and if this is it then we're getting more and more frantic as we get older and older and older or we get more and more depressed we get more and more of the feeling that that i'm running out of time and what's the point it's i'm too messed up so uh actually the teachings on on multiple lifetimes means that there's some element of relaxation you can go okay this is a good opportunity i'm going to take advantage of it and maybe i don't get enlightened in this lifetime but i'm creating the causes and conditions for the future And that there's actually a sense of relaxation that happens in that and and a sense of being able to take advantage of the moment without feeling like, um, you know, there's this hard stop (laughs) that you have to do everything by the time you're whatever, 70, 80, uh, and then that's it, but it's, it's a valid point. I mean, it's, it's, uh, And and it's also very possible to do meditation practice and um, derive benefit from the Buddha's teachings without buying into all of that. But it's something to really contemplate, something to really kind of reconcile. Because like precious human birth basically doesn't really work without some kind of acceptance of different realms.
1: Thank you so much, Tom. Um, we probably should close. And okay. I want to thank you so much, Tom, for uh, just a wonderful, very um, touching talk, actually. I'm <laughs> re- reignited for uh, practice, definitely. Yay. And um, thank you all so much for being here. Next week, Shambhala Sunday gathering, uh, Susan Chapman, We'll be here, and it's actually our what we call our second Sunday Maitri Bhavana practice. Mm -hmm. So every second Sunday, we do Maitri uh, Bhavana practice, which is a practice for the seriously ill and also uh, a major turmoil and disasters in the world, and we do practice for that. Mm -hmm. And that will be led by Susan Chapman, so you can watch out for that. And we always ask during our Sunday gatherings, um, if you would like to make a donation to support what we do, I just put a link to that in the chat. Um, It does take uh, resources to do this and to offer these. So um, any gift, large or small, helps. So thank you again so much for all being here. Goodbye for now. Hope to see you at a Sunday gathering again soon.
0: Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe to the podcast. We hope you can join us again soon you can find out more about upcoming live Shambhala Sunday gatherings and our podcast at shambhalaonline.org forward slash Sunday dash gatherings forward slash